Good morning and welcome into the show. It is Daniel Werbin coming to you live from the Dreamaginate Sports Studios. It is 9 a.m. on the East Coast. This is your 6 a.m. super early morning wake-up call out west and all time zones in between and around the world. Thanks for tuning in on this Monday morning. Hope you had a good weekend. My, uh... I have two boys. My oldest son's birthday uh, was yesterday, turned 15. My gosh, I um, I can't believe that uh, we already have a 15-year-old a in our house. It's, uh, it's kind of crazy, but uh, that, was, uh, that was most of our weekend was celebrating his, uh, his birthday and, uh, and having to do it, uh, as so many are, uh, with these, you know, weird and strange times um and not really being able to do something big uh with a party and things like that and 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 mainly just uh family but uh it was a good day nonetheless hope you had a great weekend as well um at the end of the week last week uh news came out of of some de- some more details surrounding the uh MLS academy league uh developmental academy league and um you know i i had been looking at this and kind of you know talking to some people behind the scenes uh before this announcement and looking at u.s youth soccer looking at uh you know the mls uh, you know project and and was trying to ascertain what was coming and it just really felt like what was going to be announced, what was going to come was more of the same. And by more of the same, I mean U.S. Soccer's Developmental Academy project that was launched back in 2007 under new leadership. So instead of U.S. Soccer running its own DA, that Major League Soccer was now going to be uh, running the DA they were going to oversee everything. It was going to be their project. And um, in some ways it, it, it became clear, clearer for a lot of people um, what had been felt for a long time, which is that, that major league soccer uh, already ran the DA in many ways. And now they officially were taking it over when we saw the announcement at the end of the week, um, that feeling really didn't change for me. It really solidified for me. I, I looked at what was announced, and and I just I don't see anything uh, substantive that matters uh, in terms of changing the landscape of youth soccer. U.S. Youth Soccer is a separate organization from the Federation. A lot of people don't realize that. They don't understand that. But it is a separate organization. Um, they are uh, they have their own board of directors. They, they get their sanctioning to run their programming from U.S. Soccer. But other than that, they are, they are pretty much an independent organization. They were 
from everything I was reading, really excited about the announcement that they had, you know, created some kind of link between their organization and Major League Soccer. I, I read this and I just don't share their joy. <laughs> um, I don't share share their joy and and looking at where where things are at the moment, not where things may end up in a year or two from now. But the things that have been announced, and that's all we can go off of. I mean, we can speculate about what could happen down the road. There's so many things that could happen. Uh, but as with a lot of things in U- in in U.S. soccer, um, unless it is you know written down and and publicly announced with a timeline, you know, a date. Um, I wouldn't, I would, I just would not be, I don't, I'm not confident in those speculations. Um, you know, for how many years has Don Garber and Sunil Gulati played this, you know, well, in 10 years, maybe we can have that conversation and, you know, in five years, this and 15 years, this, we're just not quite ready yet and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, that's what I'm, I, I see with this U.S. youth soccer announcement and Major League Soccer announcement uh, regarding the new DA, same as the old DA. Uh, nothing has changed for 99 plus percent of youth players in this country. Um what you were what you were locked out of before you're still locked out of now uh, you don't have access based on sporting merit your team whether it's good enough or not cannot earn its way into the developmental academy league um, the da is is n- not present in many many states um, uh, not cities but states Um you know, and you look at the number of, of teams participating in this league. Um, it, it's not it's we're we're not changing the landscape here. Um, you could take that number of teams and throw them in California, and I would call that a good start, not even good enough, but it would be a good start. You take that number of teams, you know, nineties to the to the low hundreds. Uh, and and spread that out over the entire country. Um, that that's not even really two clubs per state association. There's 55 youth state associations. Um, that's just not good enough. And and so uh, without the ability to earn your way in, you know, some of the things that U.S. Youth Soccer were, were excited about is that we're going to get, you know, scouts at, at a few of these events, these these showcase events. And as, as someone who has gone to Europe many times and has uh, observed way, the way things are done there in the youth, you know, uh, landscape, especially scouting, and in meeting scouts, we've had scouts on this show, European scouts on this show, and talk to them about, you know, how do you scout players? What, what are you looking for? What's the process? You know, showing up for a showcase event, if you're lucky and fortunate enough to get there for a couple of days, is just not an efficient way to scout. It's not a good way to scout. And, you know, unless there is a longer 
um, relationship between scout and player than just a couple of days. It's no different than a kid just showing up for a tryout. Maybe he, maybe he has a, a horrible two days uh, because he doesn't have chemistry with the players because he doesn't know the coaching staff. Maybe he's new to the area. Maybe he's coming off of a cold. I, there's so many factors when you show up to a tryout for a couple of days and it may or may not go well. When you, when you go on trial uh, overseas for clubs, it's usually minimum two weeks. They, pref- they would prefer longer if possible. And, and why do they prefer that? Because they want to see you in a day-to-day environment. They want to see over time, what are your habits? What are your tendencies? How do you adjust? How quickly do you acclimate to a new uh environment, new coaching staff, new players to play with. Soccer's got a lot of moving parts as a player. Knowing your teammates' tendencies, knowing what your coaches are looking for, style of play. Maybe they play a little bit differently than you're used to, and when you come in, you have to adjust, and they also have to make some adjustments to you. They may not quite know what your speed is or speed of play is or how fast you read the game or what you what your preferences are when you have the ball at your feet. All of those things are factors in how you scout players, how you understand who they are, what their strengths are, as well as what their weaknesses may be. If you if you rely on scouting millions of players by having just very few participate in a showcase we're not we're not scratching the surface of scouting in America that's a dog and pony show that is not substantive change that does not bring scouting to all american players and it also for the few who are are fortunate enough to show up and play in one of those showcase events, does not guarantee that scouts are going to be at their club and their club practices and their club matches after that weekend's event. Scouting is a long view courtship. Whenever we, we look at things that need to happen in this country, things that need to change in this country, um, and we look at the, the recent announcement from the M- MLS and U.S. Youth Soccer, I just don't see anything here that is exciting. Maybe one day, maybe some uh, something else comes out. Maybe maybe Major League Soccer actually on the youth side says, "Hey, let let's let's do this even bigger and let's let's get more involved." But until then. This is the the new DA meets the old DA just run by Major League Soccer, not the Federation. And it's, you know, it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate for uh, for so many uh, people. Uh, last night, I, I put out a thread. I was doing some research for the show today, and, and I wanted to talk through this for just a second. Um, and, and I wanted to set this up by saying this. In, in American sports, we have bought the myth the lie that only a few dozen cities, excuse me, uh, only a few dozen cities in America 
um, can handle professional sports. That that only a, a few places in the country uh, are, are worthy of professional teams. The NFL, Major League Baseball, the NBA, Major League Soccer, they all keep it somewhere in that two to three dozen range. When you look at the landscape of football, you know, soccer, not American football, but football around the world, you have professional clubs coming from all sorts of of cities, some cities with multiple, multiple professional clubs, not not amateur clubs, right? Anybody can go out and start a small amateur club and have a few hundred members and play. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about bona fide professional clubs. In and around major metro markets you in Europe, you have multiple and and usually you have even more than one at the first division level, but you have multiple tiers of professional clubs. And that got me thinking about America and, and the, the size of this country and the size of our cities in this country are some of our, our cities are, are really big compared to what we see overseas really big, like Amsterdam's a little over a million people. And you have Ajax. That's tiny as a city compared to cities in America. Doing some research, I found that there are 110 U.S. metro areas of populations of at least 500,000 people. And there are more than 215 U.S. metro areas of more than 200,000 people. And so that got me to thinking, like, what if we just used 200,000 people as a metric for, you know, one pro club for every 200,000 people? What, what would that look like? Not saying that should be a mandate. I'm just saying... Let's let's say that that for every 200,000 people we could have on average a bona fide professional club. Now, that is let me say that is not saying that you're each of those clubs are running, you know, 100 million dollar budgets and and having Messi and Ronaldo type salaries on their books. That's not what I'm saying, but I'm saying they are professional clubs. They're paying their players a wage. It might be what you consider to be part-time wages, like $1,000 a week, $500 a week, $100 a week, but they're paying their players. If we base that off of one pro club for every 200,000 people, check, check, check this out. The New York City metro area by itself could support 100 clubs. LA Metro, 66. Chicago Metro, 47. Dallas-Fort Worth Metro, 37. Houston Metro, 35. 
the the DC Maryland Northern Virginia Metro the DMV could support 31 Miami Fort Lauderdale Metro could support 30 clubs Philly Metro 30 clubs Atlanta Metro 30 clubs Phoenix Metro 25 clubs that's the top 10 metro markets in this country that's 431 professional clubs for the top 10 u.s metro markets alone for metro markets of 200,000 plus meaning the the new york city at number one all the way down to that roughly 215, uh, 215th city, if you were to use that same ratio of 200,000 people for every one professional club, that would roughly translate to more than 1,000 professional clubs in this country. So when we talk about providing opportunities and access, and we we announce a hundred clubs in a DA that that has entire states in this country not represented for youth amateur soccer, which which should be the base of what we do. Meaning there should be tons. This this should be the biggest number in a pyramid. And we and we do some extrapolation here of uh, of using a two hundred thousand person number as as a metric for a pro club, and that that for me is is conservative. We know that there are smaller cities playing in the first division in Europe. Ibar with like thirty thousand people playing in the first division in Spain. Villarreal, less than 100,000 people playing in Spain. Bournemouth in the the Premier League, same situation. So what do we do? How do we, how do we how do we create a land of opportunity? How do we americanize sports? Because I would argue a lot of people say that we have to americanize soccer and that and and that we, we have to adapt it to, to America. And I, I would argue that we're actually doing the opposite. America claims to be the land of the free, home of the brave, a land of opportunity. Our sporting system in America is, is very un-American. If we want to Americanize sports, we need to open everything up to everyone. And say, look, if you can build it, you're welcome. If you can, if you can do something on the field and you have success, you get rewarded. We want to grow the game. Make it possible for anyone to play anywhere. Is it likely that Montana? or Wyoming are going to have teams in the first division in a sporting merit pyramid? Probably not. But that would be on them. 
Can they do it? Can they prove it? Can they make it work? Again, that's on them. That shouldn't be on a gatekeeper somewhere. Our system should regionalize starting at the very top. We, we need to do that to reduce travel and, and not just travel expenses for clubs, operating expenses, which are very, very expensive. But we should be trying to avoid plane costs, plane travel as much as possible. You're not going to eliminate it, even at the highest level. But you, you need to reduce it. But we also need to do it to encourage fan support at home and away matches. You want that passion level coming from both sides, even if it's a thousand away fans at the match. There's energy there, and it's fantastic. We need to build local and regional rivalries. We need to have that passion and and building passion, authentic passion for the sport and for the teams to be real. America has enough cities with populations large enough to support pro soccer. We, we don't need Canada. We don't need Toronto, Vancouver, Montreal. Look, you guys go play in the Canadian premier league. We don't need you. And, and we don't, we shouldn't be trying to operate outside of our borders. We've got enough cities to worry about as we just talked about. We have more than 200 cities in this country with, with, with populations of more than 200,000 people. We don't need those three cities. We don't need to be building North American leagues. We need to just open up opportunity for American clubs. As a result of our closed system, including this this developmental academy system that was relaunched under the direction of Major League Soccer, no current club league or organization can claim to be or have developed to a status of elite, world-class, premier, etc. We have so much work to do. And only sporting merit can accurately provide that type of systematic feedback. I have said this repeatedly on the show, and I believe this, that America could be the greatest soccer country on earth. We've got to work together to truly grow the game for all in order to reach that level. That means opportunity and access for anyone everywhere. It is possible with good leadership and bold vision, but we have to come together to get there. Our uh, our sponsor this half hour is Ductic Brand, D-U-K-T-I-G brand.com. And uh, they are the, the makers of some really great products. And, and you should check them out today at D-U-K-T-I-G brand.com. And if you find... A journal, a notebook, a trainer, uh, which is uh, their 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 coaching notebook. These are soccer specific notebooks. 
do yourself a favor, place an order, use promo code DWSHOW. You'll get 10% off of your order at ductickbrand.com. We'll be right back with an interview uh, that we were able to, to uh, a Zoom interview, we were able to record with Evan Ramist, the general manager of Maryland Bobcats Football Club, Maryland Bobcats FC, coming up right after this. Welcome back into the show. Thanks for tuning in again today. We are joined by the general manager of the Maryland Bobcats football club, Evan Ramist. Evan, welcome to the show. How are you today? I am great. Thanks for having me on. Always happy to talk, talk about the club. Yeah. So, um, look, uh, give us a little bit of background founding, you know, history story of the club, but where, when was it created? Where is it located? Obviously with the name Maryland, we're pretty sure we know what part of the country it's in, but give us a little bit of a a background history on the club. Yeah, it's actually a longer history than I think people realize or or think. So, um, about 10 years ago, um, there was a group of guys, not me, um, that played in Maryland majors. Um, there was, I think it was, and I was not on this, I think it was Lions FC. Um, so there's a cat cat theme going on for some reason, but, um, you know, they, it was a bunch of guys that knew each other, friends wanted to keep playing, um, and through, through a team in Maryland majors. Um, and then, you know, that was kind of the status quo for five, six, seven years. Um, you know, we've had a couple partnerships with, with youth clubs here and there to, you know, a couple name, name changes. Um, and then, um, you know, about, about a year ago, a little under a year ago, we made the kind of switch to Maryland Bobcats FC, new, new, new name, new logo, um, new everything. Um, and, you know, we've kind of been going since then. So, you know, this club, um, our, our ownership has been together um, for about 10 years. And, you know, there's still three or four guys probably that have been playing on, on the team since, you know, this, this, this started. Um, one of our owners who he hates when I talk about him because he just wants to be 
in the background, but, um, you know, he kind of, it, he was the guy that brought this all, all together and, um, you know, started, started, he played and now, now he doesn't play. He's, he's in the background, but um, we are based in Montgomery County. Um, you know, it's a little bit outside of D, D, DC. Um, you know, it's, it's uh, the majority of our roster, um, probably about 70 to 80% are friends, right? It's guys that, met in youth soccer, lived next door to each other, you know, played with each other in college, against each other in college. Um, and that's kind of how we pieced this team together is like, you know, we had six guys and those guys each had a friend or two and they had a friend. And um, it's pretty u unique that, you know, 95% of our roster lives and works in either Montgomery County, PG County or Baltimore. And, you know, the other 5% don't, but that's, you know, a couple guys, but it's really a bunch of local guys that, you know, maybe they went and played overseas, maybe they played in MLS, USL, wherever, but now they're kind of coming together for this project um, and playing for us. And, you know, it's, it's, it's awesome to see what we're trying to build with a bunch of guys that, you know, have that kind of history. Um, and so that's, that's been pretty cool. So in, in terms of the location, uh, you know, for, for the audience that's not familiar with the D.C., Maryland, um, Northern Virginia area, um, Mer uh, Montgomery County, PG County, if, if I remember correctly, they are neighboring counties that would be considered part of that kind of D.C., Correct. Baltimore, kind of metroplex area, yep. right, yeah. in between D.C. Just, and Baltimore. Exactly, yep. And so, like, I personally live in – Baltimore. Um, so it's a pretty quick drive, but you know, we also have, have some guys and, and fans that have come from D D C. Um, and so that's pretty close too. So, you know, it's, it's pretty cool to have two decent sized cities, you know, an hour apart from each other and Montgomery County kind of sits directly in, in between those two. So it's, you know, it's an area with a diverse community. It's there, you know, there's tons of schools, um, both high schools and colleges. Um, and there's just a lot of people. So, you know, it's, it's kind of that people that don't want to live in Baltimore, don't want to live in DC, but maybe work in one of the two, um, that kind of, you know, live, live in that area. So in terms of the, uh, the makeup of the, of the team, we were DMing a little bit back and forth before this interview. Mm -hmm. And one of the things, um, that, that I found, uh, pretty intriguing is, is kind of the, the profile of the yep. players of the club, the makeup of the club, as well as the ownership of the club. Tell us a little bit about that. What, what is, what's, what's, what's up with that part of the story? Yeah. So we are a predominantly minority based ownership. Um, actually a hundred percent minority based ownership and uh, minority based roster. So um, in the UPSL national final, I think we had seven different countries rep rep represented um, in guys that played just in the final. Um, and the majority of those are African. Um, so, you know, we had, and I'm, I apologize to the guys in advance of the countries that I'm going to miss, but Nigeria, Ghana, Sierra Leone, Mali, I don't know. There's like three or four more, but um, you know, it's, it's a predominantly Af African-American team, um, either first generation American, um, you know, that, that their parents came here or they, you know, moved here when they were four five, six, um, and, and came over and, you know, they've kind of carved out this little piece in Mon Montgomery County. Um, and same thing for our ownership. Um, you know, uh, one of our owners is Ni Nigerian. Um, 
and I don't know what the other two are, but they're also my minority. So, you know, it is a really um, different kind of club. Um, you know, I, I can think of off the top of my head, and I'm sure there's more, right? But I can only think of one club that's kind of run this way, and it's Philly Lone Star. Um, you know, they're kind of the same thing, predominantly African-based. Um, and, you know, it's – it for – for, for me, it's it's really cool to be able to do this with this kind of, you know, different makeup than what is usually in American soccer, but also to kind of show like, you know, it, it doesn't matter where you're from, your background, where you grew up, anything like you can come together, you can build something awesome, you can give back to your community and, you know, and you can play some pretty good soccer too. So what drew you to this club, to this project? You said it's been around for, for about 10 years in different yep. forms. Uh, obviously now in the last year plus under this name, Maryland Bobcats Football Club. Uh, what, what drew you into the project and, and in getting into the project, how much was diversity something that, that was part of that attraction? Yeah, so I have a very kind of different path to this club. So um, in 2017, um, I had graduated, I got my master's end of 2016, um, and I was moving down to this area for, for a job. Um, and, you know, I, I played soccer in college, small D, D2 school in Pennsylvania, and I, I thought I'd be done playing after college. You know, pick up here and there, you know, maybe a men's league or something. But, you know, I was gonna, it'll be six, seven months. You know, I've had 20 years of my life that I've, you know, nonstop soccer. Like, I'm going to be done. Um, well, it turns out that I was not. Um, you know, about two weeks after that, I wanted to play again. So Maryland majors has a kind of like free agent page on, on the website that players, players can post like, you know, Hey, I'm a goalkeeper. I'm a center mid. I played here. You know, if, if teams need players, they can reach out and Jay, our owner, um, just, just happened to be the first guy that he emailed me back. He said, great. Yeah. Come out to a game. Like we didn't have practices at, at that point. That was just, you know, it was games on Sunday nights and that was it and I came out and you know it, it it that's where this all started I'm probably one of the small few that didn't have a connection to a player or an owner or a staff member previous to coming to the club um and I loved it um not only was you know playing in you know a competitive league with with fantastic players great for me um and you know I, I love doing that but you know the guys the second I got there, you know, they acted like they had known me for five, 10, 10 years. They were fantastic. Um, you know, coming to a new team um, in, an, in a new city, right? I was, didn't know any of these guys and, and they, they were great. Um, and, you know, it kind of ballooned into, you know, I'm playing every week now. Um, and then two years ago, coming up on two years, we had a U.S. Open Cup qualifier in Rochester, New New York. So upstate New York, it was like eight or nine hours away. And we're on the bus going up there and I'm kind of half asleep. Um, and I hear our owner and our head coach talking at the front of the van we had, we had got. And they're like, man, you know, we really want to try to build this. You know, we, we want this club to grow. We just wish, wish we had some outreach. And I kind of like perk up. I'm like, guys, I do marketing for my day job. <laughs> um, you know, and that was kind of the first, I was like, guys, if you would have told me this six months ago, eight months ago, like we, we, we could have been doing stuff this whole time, but you know, what started is me posting a couple tweets, updating Facebook, taking a couple pictures on my phone and posting them, you know, probably about half an hour a week's worth of work, um, quickly ballooned 
into more and more and in, in doing more in, in the club's am, ambitions and the club growing. Um, and then last August, um, I tore my Achilles. Um, and so, you know, I, I couldn't play. Obviously, I ha- had surgery, but it kind of, I, I tell people there's never a good time to do that. But it, in terms of what I was doing for the club and what the, the intention that I think the club needed and what we were trying to do, it, it really couldn't have come at a better time. And, you know, the past six to 10 months, um, the kind of growth both on and off the field for, for the club has, has, has been huge. Um, and I, our ownership has kind of given me free reign to kind of run the, you know, run the PR, marketing, social, who I reach out to for partnerships. Um, you know, it, they want to see something back sometimes, right? But they've come kind of giving me that free reign. So, you know, I've kind of gone from not knowing any of these guys to playing, um, to playing and doing a little bit of front office stuff. And then now, you know, it's, it's full front, front office, um, you know, and, and we, we have some big, big plans and definitely doing some more than we were, you know, a year, year or two ago. Before we get into some of the ambitions and aspirations of the club, I, I want to first ask you as someone, uh, you know, who w- with our audience, uh, pe- people might hear about college soccer and then they hear about the UPSL and the NPSL and USL and like all these yep. alphabet supa of names, yep. right? How would you compare your your playing experience playing with, uh, with, with these guys, with Maryland Bobcats versus – um, playing in college was the competitive level are, are close to the same? Was it better, worse? Or what, were, what were your initial experiences coming in as a player from Division two college into the Maryland majors playing with the Bobcats? Yeah, that's a great, great question. So you know, I, I played at a fairly good club youth youth soccer too, um, and you know, I, I am a goalie, so I'm only about five ten. So you know, that I had that going against me, but um, you know, it was the first game I played with, with this team, um, I knew right away that, you know, I probably should not be there. Um, these guys were, were head and shoulders, um, both maybe not as much playing wise, but thinking the game and understanding the nuances and what needs to happen. And, and, you know, you could take a left wing and put him at right back and he, you know, had an idea of what to do, right. The, um, the kind of, quickness which uh, how they fought the game um and how calm calm they were um in, in the back of the ball was you know it uh, it was it was in 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 incredible um you know i i keep saying that anytime i was on the field whether that be in maryland majors friendlies us open cup qualifiers u upsl whatever i was the 11th best guy on the field for our team because the 10 guys in, in front of me were, were were incredible um and you know it it being a part of this project and, and being here for so long. And now that we do, do train. Um, and bef- before I got hurt, you know, I, I, I was training, you know, it, it really kind of hits me, you know, these guys, they're not making, you know, they have jobs, they have kids, they have, you know, they have other stuff going on, but it, it, it being around them at, at training, you know, a couple days a week here and there. Um, and then also becoming friends with them and, and, you know, talking to them more off the field and knowing how much work they put in, how much they love soccer, um, I hadn't really been around a culture like, like that um, in my playing, playing career. Like, sure, college, you're kind of forced into that culture because, you know, you, you, you live there, you, you know, you have to go to practice, you have to go to games. And, you know, I, I, I played with some great players in, in club and youth soccer and, and in college. Um, and some of my best friends 
now are, you know, we're on my team in college, but, um, you know, this team, we, we, we have this club right now, um, uh, kind of how much they love soccer and they love the work by themselves, whether it's running, whether it's going to a wall at the park and for an hour and a half and, you know, passing with, with, with themselves, whether it's working on tactics, talking off the field, um, you know, it, it really, it was kind of mind opening to me as to like, okay, this is what guys that really love the game and really want to get better is like. And, you know, again, I keep saying this, this club is, is different, has a different mindset. And, you know, I, I think uh, the, the players that we have and you know, I, I don't know if it's a, if it's a background thing, a culture thing, if, you know, it's, it, to me, it's like a, we have something to prove. The guys have something to prove because, um, you know, we, we have a bunch of guys that, in, in, in my opinion, should be making money playing soccer somewhere. Not saying making, you know, tens of millions of dollars, but they should be making a living playing soccer. They're, they're that, that good. And, um, you know, a lot of them have been overlooked for, you know, they couldn't play club as a kid because they didn't, they didn't have the money, you know, and, and because of that, they didn't get a look from colleges. And because of that, you know, they, in, in the U.S., you know, they couldn't really advance. And, and the guys that did, um, you know, we have a couple guys that were drafted, a couple guys that played um, in Europe. Um, you know, maybe, you know, they weren't given the chances that I think that they probably should have been. Um, and it's, so it's this kind of group coming together that, um, you know, they're doing this because they love soccer. And I think that they have something to prove. So, um I want to continue to go down this road for just a minute. Uh, you, you brought up some interesting points that I think are really important for American soccer. And that is the, the culture piece, the yep. kind of immersion into the game, this kind of 360 degree, 24, seven, 365, you know, live it, breathe it, love the game yep. kind of, kind of deal. So, um, when you were coming up uh, as a, as a youth player in the club system and then playing in college, uh, w getting to the Bobcats and then experiencing this kind of, uh, it's almost like uh, going from black and white television to color TV, right? Yep. <laughs> it's just this idea that the world's now in color. Um, what, what do you think, um, what do you think is missing for uh, the, the traditional American youth soccer pathway that they're not getting you know what aspects are they not getting about uh you know you can pay all the money you want for <laughs> for private training and you know expensive pay-to-play clubs and paid yeah. coaches etc but you know it you're describing things that that are not uh you know coming through at least in 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 in, in a lot of places around the country um, what are we missing in American youth soccer that's uh, not getting players the full 24-7, 365 culture uh, part of the game uh, experience for these players? Yeah, I, I, I think there's two big things. I'm, there's a hundred small things, right? But I, I, in, in my opinion, there's two big things. One, and I was, uh, I didn't do this, you know, when, when as much when I was a, a youth soccer player. And, and honestly, like, it probably didn't kick in until about my sophomore year of college is, you know, players and guys and girls that really like to play soccer and they like to do it by themselves, right? They're, it's not just going to training two, three times a week for those two hours. You get instructions from your coach and you go home. Okay, that's it. It's, you know, wanting to go out on 
Sunday when it's rainy and 45 degrees and have a wall and kick back and forth. It's wanting to call up your buddies and go down to the park and play three on three for two or three hours. It's, it's that um, kind of internal drive in, in, in my opinion that let's do more than go to training. Right. It, and you know, it's probably tied a little bit to the, Hey, we're paying this money to play. Like we should be getting enough out of it that we don't have to do this by, by ourselves. And, you know, I, I think just from being around this team and, you know, even, even in club, you know, the, the, in, in college, the best players that I played with were normally the ones that did do stuff by themselves and worked out by themselves and, you know, spent hours with, with, with the ball juggling or, or having a wall or, or something. Um, and, you know, I, I think that, and it's, again, it's probably part of that pay to play, you know, ex- expensive club thing that look, we're paying X amount. We have three practices a week. That's, that's good. Right. I'm, I'm, I'm getting all, all the training that, that I need. And it's not this, you know, hunger to kind of go and, and train on yourself before practice, after practice, um, the days you don't have training. Um, and that's why, like for, for me in college, it probably took sophomore junior year. And I was like, Hey, look, like I want to get better. You know, this is fun. Like, you know, let's show up to practice an hour early, get a workout in stuff that I know that I need to get better on for, for, for me. And then let's go hop in the team session where we can do stuff as a team or let's stay for an hour after training and work on free kicks or crosses for me as a keeper or, or something that I know that I need to get better at. I need to get more confident in, um, or, you know, the quote unquote off season, right? I, I think that there's a lot of off season in, soccer in the u.s both youth and and college um especially you know that whole kind of spring we have a spring season in in college soccer but you know it's not you know you're not getting games every week you're getting three to six seven games ish in that spring and you know players around the world are are competing for spots day in the day out week in week out and sure there's there's great players in college there's great college programs there's great coaches but it's, you know, they're limited with what they can do by the college system, right? They're, they're, they're not allowed to coach their players 52 weeks, weeks a year. Right. Um, and, and, you know, I, I, I think that that's, that's one of the big things that this kind of like internal drive for what, whatever reason um, that, you know, pl- uh, the majority of players in the U S don't have, or maybe aren't doing as much as they could or should, um, and part two of that is um, something I think that our club is trying to fix is there's not, um, you know, there's not a pa- there's youth soccer in college. And that's what people think, right? At the, we play youth soccer because we want to get into college and play in college. And that's it. And there's not, there's not these clubs with these men's teams, first teams, even if it's Maryland majors or a Sunday league or an adult league, there's not these clubs with a quote unquote first team at the top for younger players to look, look up to, right. There's, there's this U18 plays with U18 and you, if you're, you know, 11 and 12, you play U12, if you're 14, you play U14. Um, and it's kind of fixed into those brackets, right. It's not like a, Hey, this 13 year old is really good. Let's bump up to U17 and see, see how he plays. Um, and that's, you know, we launched, uh, announced our, our, our youth program, um, like two weeks ago now. And that's, that's kind of the pillar that we're we're trying to build, right? That what we're trying to we're trying to do something different in the U.S. with soccer, where you know we're we're going to have 
we have a first team, right? We have a, we, and potentially a second team that these youth players are one going to get coached by the players. Um, you know, not, not all the coaches are going to be players, obviously, but some of the players, so they're going to interact with them, you know, every week. Um, but two, you know, it gives them something to look, look up to something to try to achieve where, you know, now, Hey, you know, I could go play in UPSL and, and, and NPSL, whatever other league is going to come, come later. Right. That, you know, as a 14, 15, 16 year old kid, if we and our coaching staff think that kid is good enough to hop in our first team training sessions, we're going to bring them up. It's only going to help them get better. And, you know, if they can't handle it, great. They're 13, 14, 15. It's fine. But if they do, great. Now we just got ourselves a new, a new player that we can use to develop and coach, to kind of bring up to, through the ranks. And, you know, uh, there's not a lot of teams in the U.S. that have that pipeline kind of that, that goal that these kids can have to, even if, even if they never get there. Right. But it, it's a goal that they can have and they see the, they see, you know, the first team training and the first team coaching them that they can kind of say, look, I want to be like that guy. It's not a Cristiano Ronaldo or a Messi or someone, it's someone in their club that they can kind of look up to and be like, Hey, you know what? I want to do that someday. So um, you know, I, I think those are two, at least for our, our club, are kind of the two big, um, the big things that we're kind of trying to change. So in terms of your, your aspirations as a club, what, what are, what are, give us a little bit of the, you know, zoom out for a second, give us a little bit of the big picture. What, what's the ultimate goal here uh, it, for, for the Maryland Bobcats? Yeah, um, you know, I, I've said for a long time, um, and our owners have too, that we are a pro professional club. Um, and by that, I don't mean our sanctioning, our division, whatever. It's it's how we handle ourselves as a club, how our, our players handle themselves, um, how we, you know, the approach we take to training, the approach we take to travel, the, the, the approach we take as a club to try to build soccer in Montgomery County and in, in Maryland. And, um, you know, our, our ambitions are to bring pro professional soccer to the state of Maryland and to kind of have, you know, the first of its kind club in, in, in Maryland, right. With, with, with a youth system that funnels up through a first team. Um, you know, what that looks like, I, I don't know right now. Right. I, I don't know what that looks like, but um, for, for right now, it's, it's let's put the best team that we can from our first team on the field um, and also, you know, let's de de develop and coach the next generation of not just players, but people in, in Maryland, right? That, that even if it's not soccer, if it's, if it's cooking or their own business or, or whatever, a drive and a work ethic that, you know, that is going to carry on beyond soccer. So, um, you know, it, we have pretty big goals. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of stuff um, going going on that, that, that we're doing, but, you know, the, the ultimate goal, my, my dream, um, you know, would be to bring a fully pro professional team to, um, this, this area. So it, for, for your club, um, and with those aspirations, how important is it for, for you all to build deep ties and relationships in your local communities there in, in Montgomery and PG County? Yeah, that, that's, that's huge. Um, and, you know, I, I think that our ownership 
you kind of asked earlier, you know, what kind of drew me to this project and this club and um, beyond the playing aspect when I was playing is, you know, the, the more I, I, I was around the guys and more specifically our ownership um, is, you know, they don't just want to be a soccer team. Um, they don't want to be just, you know, they show up on the weekend, we get some fans and then we go home. They want to build something bigger than them in the co community. Um, and that isn't just even just soccer, right? It's not like the, just the rec program or, or just putting on clinics and stuff. It's, it's really trying to make a difference in the community any way we can, right? And wh whether, that's, whether that's soccer related or not, um, you know, our ownership has put a really high um, kind of in importance on that, right? We want our guys out in the community do, do, doing great things, whether it's directly tied to the club or it's their, their own thing. Um, you know, we, we have one player right now that um, he started his own charity um, and it actually started be 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 before this whole, you know, pan pandemic started. But, um, you know, he's handing out 50, 100, 200 meals a week by himself and his, you know, family um, to people in Montgomery and PG County that, that, that needed. And he's doing that because he saw, he saw a need. Um, he had the means and, you know, he had a, a way, way to do it. And, um, and then he went out and built it. And, you know, he was a starter and a big part of the reason why we had such a great season last year. Um, you know, he started the national championship and the semifinal. And I want to say the quarterfinal and the round before that too, and, you know, played the entire game, right? So he's, he's a pretty darn good player. Um, but, you know, he's also doing the stuff off the field that, you know, makes us proud. And, and you know, it, it's the kind of people that we want in our club. And, you know, he doesn't uh, promote that, hey, I'm this player on this team that's doing this. We don't necessarily pro promote it. Um, you know, we'll, we'll tell people about it and stuff. But, you know, if that's just him doing something that he feels is right. And, um, you know, again, that's the kind of people that we have in this club and that we, you know, want, want to keep building. Uh, last question for you, as, as you have some experience playing uh, different levels of the sport, different age groups, et cetera, with your pathway coming up through the kind of, uh, you know, youth club circuit into college and now playing um, at the, you know, NPSL, UPSL uh, level and, and league play with the Maryland Bobcats, what uh, do you as an organization uh, look at with our, you know, American soccer system? Uh, what, what do you guys look at in terms of areas where the system is, is either helping or hurting your ambitions? Yeah. Um, you know, I think that, we are lucky, um, our club, because Maryland, D.C., Virginia, um, you know, there is so many high-quality teams. There are so many good players. And, you know, that's both youth clubs, it's colleges, it's clubs like ours, um, it's, it's guys that have played other places and live or were from this area. Um, you know, this area has so many good players, and I think that's a reason why there are so many good teams in this area. And, you know, for our area in particular, I know that's obviously helping, right? We, we have good players. There's good players to play against that. That's, that's helping our guys. Um, we would love, um, none, you know, we, we, we would love to have a chance at bigger teams, right? 
even if we get waxed four or five nothing, hey, at least at least we know, you know, we know what we need to work on. Um, I personally don't think that would happen with 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 uh, the the squad that we have, but you know, I as a soccer fan um, and as a you know independent of, of of the club, right? As just someone that loves soccer and and loves to watch soccer, you know, I, there needs to be some kind of of pro rel, some kind of upward downward whether that's within a, a one league or, or a bunch of leagues or, or something or just something it, it, it needs to happen right it, it gives it not only gives clubs like ours incentive to keep keep playing and, and, and you know and, and keep doing well but it gives you know it gives other owners like we were like like that we had the onus to start clubs right to start to get friends together and put a club together and you know in two five seven ten years like what can that be right like you know, we started really building this project um, probably about three years ago, you know, in, in, in the current form. And, you know, the, the changes and, and the things that we've been able to accomplish in those three years, if you would have told me, like, I, I do not, I would not believe you. Um, it, it's been awesome. But, um, you know, there's more that we want to do. And, and you know, uh, with, with, without a lot of money, um, you know, it's, it's, it's hard, hard to do. Um, and you know it. While there is great soccer at, at this level, and you know we we've played a ton of teams in Maryland, across the country, um, you know it disincentivizes um, investment in soccer. And kind of like get, getting back to the youth question earlier, I think it kind of disincentivizes the developing players. Um, you know if 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 a club you know puts a kid or two in college in a you know at a Maryland or at a UCLA, you know, they're great. But like, what is that doing for the overall majority of players in the U.S.? I would argue not that much. Um, but, you know, having a system where there is a first team and, you know, if they keep winning, they're going to play better teams, get bigger, you know, get more fans, get more investment, get more sponsors, money, what, what, whatever, that also trickles down so kind of like I was saying earlier, the six, seven, eight-year-olds that are starting soccer, and now they see this first team that, hey, you know, three years ago, uh, you know, three years ago they were playing here, and now, you know, they, they worked hard, um, and now now they're playing here. Oh, by the way, Johnny, that was four, 14 three years ago, is now 17, and he's playing with them, and, and if I keep working hard, you know, I, I can can be Johnny and, and go play with them too, and um, – you, you know, it's, it's, it's hard, right? Cause on, on one hand, I, I think that there needs, needs to be change um, and there needs to be something different. Um, but on the, the other hand, you know, we are still trying to build a club with, within the confines that are currently there and, you know, put the best guys that we can on the field and, and win, win as much as we can um, and, and kind of, you know, do everything to, to further our club and, and our players. Um, you know, my goal as the GM and, you know, what I try to do is I really try to get, you know, our guys as much high quality games as possible so that other clubs in the U S and outside can see them play and see how good, good these guys are. Um, you know, if, if that means calling up a team from Pennsylvania and, and getting a friendly and taping it myself, like I'm, I'm going to do that because like I said, at the be beginning of this, we have guys that in my opinion should be, getting paid uh, a lot of money to, to play soccer. And for whatever reason, they're, they're not in 
you know, I kind of see that as my goal to, and my, my job to kind of pro- promote these players and be like, look, Maryland has some great players and like you guys are just not willing to look, not, not able to look. Um, and you know, that's, that's what I want to, that's, 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 that's what I want to do. So, you know, I think that on the flip side, you know, we do have youth clubs um, and, you know, not all of them are terrible. And, you know, there's a lot that are great and have great coaches and coaches that really care about soccer. Um, But again, we're, we're, we're trying to build something different in us soccer where, you know, there, there is a first team to kind of look up to, because I think that's, again, that's, that's what helps drive, you know, these kids to, to, try to play, right? Like I looked up to John, John Harks when I was a kid, but you know, he didn't play in, in my town. And, in and, um, you know, if, if there's kids that our players can coach that, then they come out and see him on the weekends. That's, that's great. And that's, that's really what, what we're trying to do. Well, look, Evan, I really appreciate your time uh, on the show and uh, best of luck to, to you guys. Uh, ho- hopefully everyone stays safe up there and, uh, in, in Maryland, uh, Montgomery, PG counties and the surrounding DC, Baltimore Metro area. Um, uh, I know your, your Twitter feeds at MD Bobcats FC. Is there a website or any other place people could connect with, uh, with you guys in your club? It is. Yeah. So our website is Maryland Bobcats FC.com. And that has, um, schedules for both our teams as well as in information on our youth program, um, as well as our shop with our awesome kits. Um, and we also have an Instagram that is the same as Twitter at MD Bobcats FC and Facebook is Maryland Bobcats FC super active on, on all of them. If you tweet Facebook, Instagram, anything, it's going to be me. So you'll be talking to me. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm the guy that's kind of behind all that. So, um, yeah, we, we love people to, you know, we're going to stream games, watch, come out, um, and, anything that they they uh, can can do well we appreciate you coming on the show thanks uh, so much for joining us again best of luck with the club and in the future and, and especially coming out of this uh, pandemic uh, but thanks for taking some time uh, to, to do the interview and and talk about the project and the system in which you play and you can hear the the emotion uh, and the connection to the club and the story and the and the and the and the people's stories within the club and and really, that's that's what authentic club soccer should be about is is highlighting and showcasing those stories and providing a platform of opportunity and access so that those stories can kind of rise up organically from anywhere, uh, not just where we where we think they should be. So, again, thanks for coming on the show. We appreciate it. I look forward to having you back on again soon. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. See you later. See ya. No one, no man, no woman, no child should ever have to drink green water with bugs, with algae, with disease in it. Bad water and a lack of toilets kills more people than all the wars in the world. We know how to bring clean drinking water right now to every single person on earth. And when you can bring water into communities, it truly 
changes everything. Now you could know that you'd made a difference. You could know that you had truly impacted the life of a family, of a community, of a region. There was either clean water or there wasn't. We believe in a world where every single person has clean and safe water to drink and we will continue fighting until that happens. Thanks for uh, watching today. As always, big thanks to Evan Ramist, General Manager of Maryland Bobcats FC, for joining the show. Hope you have a great day. We'll see everyone again tomorrow.